Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Sup, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Tuesday night. Here in uh, Fort Rucker Studio near downtown Knoxville, Old North Knoxville. How's everything in your world? Hope it's good. Hope everything is going the way that you want it to go. We got a lot uh, to discuss, and we'll try to cram it into the smallest possible space here. Uh, because Tennessee football opens preseason football camp, what, in the morning? I guess it would be football opening football camp, wouldn't it? Starts in the morning, Wednesday morning, and we spent Tuesday speaking with Tennessee football coach Josh Heupel, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, several players, including both scholarship quarterbacks. Still sounds funny to say a team has two scholarships quarterbacks, but that's that's what it is. At least they're really good ones, right? we got a lot to discuss, and to do that, we're going to bring in the entire cast, the entire the entire staff here of, uh, of Go Balls 24-7, all the, uh, all the guys who cover men's sports anyway, that would be me, that would be Ben McKee, that would be Patrick Brown, that would be Ryan Callahan, and I mentioned that in order that I'm seeing it on Zoom. So that was the order in which I put that, so no one get too offended or upset. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, and I don't believe that you weren't picking favorites, but I'll... You know, I won't put up a fight. Just reading down the screen, man. Just reading down the screen is all that I'm doing. Pat, how are we doing? I'm good. The Braves just went back to back on uh, in the seventh on the Angels, so it's I'm good. That's nice. It's nice to have a team that's comfortably above 500, I suppose. Ben, how are we doing? Speaking of teams that maybe aren't quite that far above 500, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. My Yankees suck, but it's football season, so I'm doing okay. There we go. Lots to talk about on this one, fellas. I think we basically what we're gonna do. There's a lot of things we could do, but I think probably since camp's going to start Wednesday and we'll have a lot to talk about in podcasts later this week about what we actually see with our own eyes for those little bits of practice and, and speaking with people afterward. Uh, this on Tuesday, the preseason media day was just kind of the normal everybody talking. So there's a lot of information that kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of like a torrent that just kind of flows and flows. Lots and lots of words that we heard today from different people. So I think we'll just focus on maybe some of the most interesting things that we heard, uh, whether they're surprising, whether they're pleasant surprises. I don't think any really bad surprises other than Pat Garland, uh, the, the reserve linebacker being out for the year. That's a blow for depth and special teams. But other than that, not really a lot of bad news. It seemed like good news, which is what you want going into camp. So I guess, Pat, we'll start with you with with, with Heupel, I guess, first. Anything uh, that Heupel said, Josh Heupel, that, that really kind of registered for you? Well, it's it's the first day of camp, and, uh, well, it's about to be the first day of camp. It's preseason. Optimism is brimming at a high level. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's looking great. Everybody's had a great offseason. 
Uh, I mean, that's generally what you hear uh, on this day, right? Um, I, I, I still think that the big thing is just sort of the mindset. It's it's collectively, I think it starts from the top down. It's just like they got back in January and they're like, well, we had a great season last season, but okay, not good enough. Like they're, uh, I've said this before, like fans have probably dwelled on last season. They've watched the Alabama game 20 times, whatever, watched the Orange Bowl 10 times. I mean, this team has been the forward focusing uh, for a long time. And um, I, I think that's probably the big thing. I, I think there's a, an excitement to see how some competition plays out. They obviously have a, a more complete roster, uh, better numbers across the board. So um, when you have some open positions and you have a lot of guys going for them, you're, you're, you're going to like what you see as a coach and you're just going to kind of let throw the chips out there and let them fall how they may, you know, you're going to see who gets an opportunity and, and go from there. So um, I, I think that's the big thing from him. Um, probably the big thing from Joey Halsey was some some of the quarterback talk, right? He's the quarterback's coach. He's yep. he is the offensive coordinator. Um, but you know, him, him talking about uh really raving about Nico Yamaliava, just saying if we had to put him in, we'd there'd be a lot of confidence in him from you know, from me and from not only them, but the players as well, and, and just sort of more uh praise about the way Nico is has been sort of mature beyond his years and, and talking to him for a good 15, 20 minutes, you kind of see that he kind of knows how to carry himself and handle himself. And, um, you know, he, he's not blinded by the spotlight or anything like that. So, um, and then, you know, I think defensively, you know, the you know, defensive corner, Tim Banks, you know, he, he kind of has always, uh, been defiant about like what's said or maybe what's, how his, his defense is viewed. And, um, you hear him say a couple things about how, well, we won 11 games last season, so we know we were a good defense. There, there's some people out there that would say you weren't. Um, but again, if you're, you know, if you're holding 10 of your 13 opponents under 30 points uh, and you win 11 games, you've that, those are pretty hard things to argue against, even if you want to dive into some stats and what the past defense was. So, um, and that's a that's another side of the ball where I think, uh, particularly with the pass rush, is something that we've heard a lot of uh, the off season. They they feel like they've recruited well there, and they're going to throw some young guys out there and see what they can do. So. Um, that that's sort of some of the the overarching things from the coordinators. I know we're going to talk a lot about what we hear from some players, um, but you know I think we got to start there with some of the things we hear from the coaches at the podium, and uh, those are some of the things that stood out to me. Yeah, I think we should. We'll, we'll probably stick to to a lot of the player stuff there in the second segment and get some of that stuff out there. I think players first segment or coaches first segment, players second segment seems like a, a natural way to sort of divide it. So we'll go on down the line. Ryan, anything from uh, from Heupel, from from Halsley, from Banks, anything really stand out to you, whether it's good, bad, somewhere in between? Uh, yeah, I mean, not not a whole lot that was just earth shattering today. I thought uh, I, I think J- Joey Halsley, as we as we say all the time, is just always a always a, an engaging interview and, and, and obviously had a lot of good things to say about, uh, about several different guys. I thought, uh, yeah, th- thought, thought it was, uh, yeah. And I guess I, you know, some of the most interesting things that I took away from today were, were kind of more so from the players, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he- hearing about, uh, just Joe Milton and the progress he, he has made is obviously noteworthy. And, and, and I, I always enjoy hearing, hearing Halsley talk quarterbacks because he, uh, I think he does, uh, you know, He's he's interesting enough, you know. Some quarterbacks coaches are not uh, are not always that way. He he kind of puts things in in layman's terms and and uh, and, and says things well and and uh, and and obviously had some good things to say about Milton's continued progression, not just on the field but off the field as well. In that relationship that he has with Nico Iamaliava, uh, and, and I I like hearing about the offensive line uh, competition. Uh, you know, certainly that's 
that's one of the position groups that's going to get uh, a lot of attention during camp and, and just hearing how they, uh, you know, kind of, you know, feel, feel good about that group and, and think there's a lot of, it's, it's a, it's a better situation to, to hear the coaches talk about it certainly than how, how the fans might view it. I think fans see that as a concern uh, and, and not that you would expect uh, Joey Halsley or, or Josh Heupel or anyone to be sounding the alarms, but it sounds like there's at least you know, more, more cautious optimism about that group, even though they know they have uh, a lot to replace. So it's uh it's going to be a wait and see thing, but that, that certainly was one of one of the more interesting things I took away from some of the coaches' comments. Ben, any the the floor being yours now? Anything that that today specifically with the coaches? I think there are some interesting things. Obviously, a lot of it's quarterback related, but anything else that sort of stood out to you? Yeah, nothing really from the hype man himself. I, I kind of set out to to ask about uh, the leadership on the defense today and. Uh, I, I do think there's leadership at, at all three levels. You, you look up front and you, you immediately point to a guy like Amari Thomas being the leader of that room. But you have some other guys that have been there for quite some time now. Bryson Eason, uh, Elijah Simmons, Tyler Barron. Uh, th- th- those are guys, mostly Simmons and, and Barron, that need to step up and and not better leaders in the sense of like they've been bad leaders in the past but in the sense of like they're older guys and they're no longer sitting behind guys like Matthew Butler. Like now, now it's your room and, and you kind of, you got to take it and run with it. So uh, I, I set out to ask about the leadership and mostly about Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely, not with the thought of discounting leadership elsewhere, because again, I think Amari Thomas uh, can, can fill that role. Uh, I know people don't like hearing his name, but uh, Jalen McCullough, from my understanding is a guy uh, that his teammates do respect a lot uh, and yeah. he's played a lot of college football so uh, he he has a, a loud voice whether people like it or not and you know you kind of look at the secondary room and the amount of experience kind of creeps up on you uh, w- w- with several guys back there who have played a, a ton of of college football with Gabe Judy Lowley uh, to Marion McDonald at this point Wesley Walker Warren Burrell Kamal Haddon Jalen McCullough and I'm sure I'm leaving somebody off but I again I, I really wanted to ask about uh, Aaron Beasley uh, and Keenan Peely and, and that was kind of my my big takeaway from Heupel. Heupel didn't give much. Uh, not that he was bad. I, I think my biggest takeaway from Heupel, Wes, and I'll let you speak on this, is just the the different confidence that he has mm-hmm. going into his third training camp uh, compared to his first training camp. But with uh, the coordinators, w- with Tim Banks, I thought it was really cool to hear him talk about uh, Roman Harrison uh, and just kind of the respect that he has uh, in the building. And, and there was no... Uh, coach speaky answer with what Roman uh, needed to get better at over the offseason. I I liked how detailed Tim Banks got and and said that he just needs to uh, be more consistent and and play a little bit smarter, uh, cleaning up those things. And uh, it it was about being more consistent in in pass coverage principles and, and not in the sense of like him being a dumb football player when he said play a little bit smarter, but just in terms of improving uh, in some coverage principles. And, and he said that after, you know, like you, you go back and uh, you watch uh, Byron Young last season and you're watching Byron Young, who had a tremendous season last year. And Roman Harrison's kind of the one flashing on, on the tape as well and said that he's probably pound for pound one of the tougher players uh, in the SEC. So I, I thought it was really cool to hear Tim Banks uh, talk about Roman and and as I also mentioned uh, the Arizona State defensive line transfer Omar Norman Lott uh, he, he 
talked about how quick he's been off the ball and uh, how he thinks that he's obviously going to be able to help in the running game. And, and that is something that Tim Banks pointed out, like, hey, we've been really good at slowing down the run game under Rodney Garner, but they think with the twists and the stunts that they run and, and with Omar's uh, get off of the ball and, and the line of scrimmage, they think he's going to be able to to disrupt uh, the passer. So I, I thought it was cool to to hear Tim Banks talk it in that kind of detail. And, and you got that from Joey Halsley. Uh, as well, I asked him about the difference in in Joe Milton today, and the difference in Joe Milton that showed up two years ago uh, to start Heupel's first fall camp. And, and Halsley, as everybody's been saying, uh, is that it's it's just a different guy, and that his attention to detail is elite, and that's that's noteworthy because if I'm being completely honest, like I remember that first fall going into the season. Like there was some some chatter about, okay, maybe Joe's not spending as much time after practice with receivers doing seven on seven stuff and and, and routes versus air and, and those kind of things. And and that's not really something that you that that you want to hear about your quarterback not necessarily handling business. And now all of a sudden, two years later, his attention to detail is elite. He's coming back from the Clemson game hungry as ever to keep learning, to keep pushing. That That's what Halsley said. Like, he didn't have a sense of, okay, I figured this out. And and he, he just was not resting, and, and he was just continually uh, getting after it. And, uh, you, you know, Patrick and uh, uh, Ryan talked about it as well. Like, the, the Milton-Nico relationship is really, really cool, I think, because if I'm being completely honest, I, I don't think that I would have guessed – that the relationship would be as genuine as it appears to be uh, just kind of both of them, you know, Joe has a big personality. Uh, you know, he, he probably has a, a sense of let me be defensive because my college career hasn't gone the way that I expected it to, or, or wanted it to. And then here comes Nico, uh, a lot of talk about him being a five-star coming from California, NIL picks Tennessee over Alabama and, you know, there, there's maybe a right to be resentful, but Joe's taking him under his wing. Uh, so kudos to Joe. I think that's really, really cool. And then also kudos to Nico. I have not heard a, a single bad thing about Nico and his uh, incorporation into the program and, and kind of how he's uh, come aboard because you would think that a five-star theoretically getting a lot of NIL that's going to cause a lot of issues in the locker room or he's going to feel entitled and feel like he should be playing early I have not picked up on any of that behind the scenes and, and everybody just raves about how Nico has come in gone to work hasn't expected anything to be handed to him is very humble I believe that's the word Amari Thomas used when I asked about it he's just a real humble kid uh, so I, I think that relationship is is really really cool and uh, Ryan mentioned it. It's cool to hear Halsley go into to as much detail as he goes into. He's really cool. I, I could go on and on and on about Halsley. I thought his Ramel Keaton comments were were really, really cool uh, as well. So a lot to unpack there for sure. Um, but going back to the big man, Wes, I, I, I thought you can tell. And, and I think we talked about this at the meet, SEC media days. There's a distinct difference in confidence and charisma and, and like calmness, I, I guess, in the in the head man in year three than year one. I agree, and I want to talk about exactly that. I want to mention one quick thing before that. Of the specific player things that coaches discussed, we, we've discussed most of them. The one that stood out to me that maybe we haven't discussed a lot so far, at least in in this episode, is just the words that Halsley had about Dante Thornton I think were, were pretty 
um, eye raising in, in a good way because you know again it, it's you could talk potential all day long production is what matters but he talked about the potential of that young man and, and he basically said listen the kid's a freak like the, even in this a program that recruits at a consistently high level now you know you see a lot of guys everybody there everybody in that uniform everybody in that facility can play or they wouldn't be there um, so they're all really good athletes but sometimes you just see kind of a rare specimen freak type athlete and that Thornton is that kind of guy at that size, that catch radius, sort of the size of the sun, like, and, and just the way that he can go get the ball and the, the versatility, uh, the teammates talked about, uh, we'll talk about this in the second segment, just how much he already quickly learned the offense and can play inside, outside, all these other things. So that, that was one thing that I think stood out to me. And it's, again, we got to see how much when the season starts, who's going to play receiver, what's going to happen, how big's the rotation going to be. But just from a pure talent standpoint and, and a big play standpoint, I think that that kid's going to make a few, at least a few really, really, really big plays this season. It just seems like he's got that kind of ability. Pat, you want you got something? Yeah, to, to add on to Thornton, and and, uh, and this is something that could be a takeaway from today that could be applied in a couple months, like after the season in December when the portal opens up and it's like, all right, Tennessee's losing this, these people. Who do they need to add from the portal? Uh, something that, that Halsey talked about today with Thornton and with McCallan Castles is, and he's mentioned this before with Hooker and Milton is that these guys aren't mercenaries. That's his term. Uh, and basically he's talking about transfers that come in and think they've got everything fi- figured out and just say, Hey, tell me the plays and I'll go play. Uh, and what he's saying is that these guys starting with those two quarterbacks uh, and continuing on with Thornton and Castles have come in and said, I want to know how to get better and, and being intentional about improving and, and learning this offense and, uh, he talked about castles. I think I was on a podcast and I said, well, maybe he didn't actually gain 20 pounds. Well, apparently he did because he went from 233 on the spring roster to 252. Um, and, and Halsey said, that, yeah, he's put on 15 pounds since he got here. So, um, you know, that things like that, you know, these are veteran guys, guys that have played and, and guys that have had some success in, in, in both those guys' cases. Uh, you know, Thornton had had a couple nice games last season at Oregon, and, and Castles was an All Conference guy for the last two years at a in a decent FCS league. So, yeah. um, that that was something that stood out to me is that you can apply. You know, they, they're big on culture, so they're going to want guys that they know will be like this that have sort of that extra drive. And um, for each of those guys, you know, for Castles, it's easy motivation. He's going from the SES to SEC. He's trying he's trying to prove himself against the best talent in, in college football. Um, Thornton, obviously, I think wanted his move so he could be in a better offense or an offense that maybe showcased him a little bit better. So um, that's motivation there. And and to uh, to Ben's point, uh, Tim Banks kind of laid down the, uh, I don't say the gauntlet for Tyler Barron, but he kind of said, hey, this guy's one of the most talented guys on our defense, and, and we're hoping that if he stays healthy, that was the qualifier, um, that he could be a really good player for us. And I, I thought that was interesting, and that, that sort of sparked in my mind when Ben brought up that name as, as, some of the, as, as one of those guys on the defensive line that, maybe needs to step up, not only as a leader, but also uh, with his play this season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that when you see the kid line up and you watch him in practice and you just see him standing there, you're like, man, that's a dude. Like, he just looks like a dude. He runs like a dude. Like, he athletically has all the things that you need. The And he's a smart kid, too, but – it's time, man. It's time to produce. Like it's he's one of those guys that's the old uh, Stephen Colbert. You're on notice. Like you're on notice, Tyler Barron. Like it's there's a lot that you you need to up your level of play. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's time to take things to a, a higher level. And really, if we're being honest here, maybe with this being a potential, like obviously a draft year for him, maybe that's the final kicker that kind of gets things 
you know, tuned into gear, which, hey, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. That's fine. Just as long as he gets it done, as far as Tennessee's concerned, that's probably all they care about. Just however you're doing it, just get it done because it is time for him to do that. But the big thing that that I thought about was something that, you know, Pat alluded to. I think we've all alluded to it in some way was just it's the, the I don't want to I don't know if swagger is the right word because it's really understated, but just a really firm level of really, really high confidence. Like in terms of the, it's two ways too. It's like those guys, one of the ways that you can always listen or or you can, if you ask yourself, do a group of players listen to their coach? Are they coachable? Uh, If they're saying the same things their coaches are saying, the answer to that is yes, they are listening. They are very much listening. If they are saying almost verbatim what the coaches are saying, they're on the same page. And those guys in that building uh, right now, at least very much still on the same page. And, uh, but, but this the confidence level of going out there, and again, this is what all teams should say kind of behind the scenes going into the year, which is, you know, hey, let's win the SEC East, right? Like, let's let's win the division. That's the first step. But, like, every time you think about that, you go, yeah, well, I mean, you, you do know you're in Georgia's – Georgia's also in the SEC East, right? Like a team that's been threatening to just completely run away with, with college football in this little era here and, and a team that's recruiting at just an absolutely stupid level – and you got to go through those guys and you still, you know, you're in the East and you got to play Bama too. And, and that's, it is what it is. It's tough. Um, but the way that the confidence level that this team has in saying, no, like we're, we're, we want to go in the SEC East. Like last year we were 11 and two and should have won a national championship or should have been competing for a national championship. Like they're not hiding from these things at all. And if you're going to put down that marker, man, I love it. But like, okay, you, those are your words. Those are not our words. Now, those are your words. You said that. That's what you believe. That's what your expectation level is. And guess what, guys? You can't hide from that. You've laid down the marker. You've said it. And okay, so now what do you got? Yeah, and Ryan, I that was something that the three of us discussed on the post-SEC Media Day podcast uh, in which you were unable to to join us. And my thought on that is is simple, like, that's what Tennessee football is, and it mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be, and and I know Wes completely agrees with that, and, and it's just sad that like it, it has to be said out loud. And Patrick, Mister Mister Shrugs over there, Wes is the one that said it. I agree with it his, too. His, his name, I know you feel like you're y'all your wearing the same color shirt, so you have to you got to be on the same page. Right now, yeah, but. you got to be on the same page. Y'all y'all are both rocking the mustard color shirts here. You got to You got to be. You got to be on the same page. Patrick's over there reacting like one of his twins when uh, the the other gets something that that they wanted and and, and they didn't get it. Uh, but like it's sad that it, that it even has to be said out loud, right? Like th- this is Tennessee football. You you compete to win national championships and, and SEC championships. That that is that is the standard uh, in Knoxville. It, it always has been, and uh, it's unfortunate for fans that it dropped off as much as it did. Uh, and, and there were coaches who who were trying to downplay the expectations uh, here at Tennessee and and at a place like Tennessee, uh, but eight, nine, ten wins, especially like eight and nine wins, like that that's not good enough. That, that that's not good enough, especially as you build your program. I mean, th- again, this is a place where yes, ten, eleven wins is is nice and and it should always be appreciated. Uh, I'm not saying that that it shouldn't be. But there's always going to be that, well, you, you still didn't 
win a championship. Uh, and in last year's case, you, you did come up short because you kind of peed down your leg against Georgia and, and South Carolina. So what, what needs to happen in order to prevent peeing down your leg against South Carolina or Georgia all over again and, and not getting into the college football playoffs uh, because of it? So uh, the the mindset of Josh Heupel, Ryan, for me, has has been something that I don't know if admired is like a, a corny way to, to, to phrase it, but uh, I've always appreciated uh, his his mindset. Uh, you, you can tell that he's a former quarterback and a national championship winning quarterback at that. Um, but I, I do think the last decade to 12, 15 years, it's it's refreshing to, to hear the head coach at the University of Tennessee where – you are capable of winning championships consistently and competing for championships on a year-to-year basis. That's his standard as well, and he's not trying to downplay the expectations and the standard because he is uh, a, a little too small for his britches and, and is scared of, of the expectations at a place like Tennessee. Right, yeah. I think I think insecurity um, obviously leads to coaches uh, trying to, to downplay expectations because they're they're worried about what might go wrong. And a lot of times that's they're completely right about the things that could go wrong. But successful coaches don't tend to think that way very much. And we obviously saw that Butch Jones had some insecurities that I think led to his his downfall. You know, every coach that's been at Tennessee is a really competitive person. They're they're all. They're all competitors that want to win, expect to win on some level. But the difference is Josh Heupel's been been just, I think, noticeably better at instilling the type of, of environment and uh, approach and, and just winning expectation and atmosphere that, than, than the other coaches we've seen at Tennessee over the past 10, 15 years because he, he's, he's clearly got a good idea of what a culture needs to be like and, and has – has just been very effective at setting the tone. And I've, you know, I've gotten this answer from a couple different players that, you know, this, that they think the switch kind of flipped on the expectations for, for this team be, being raised, just kind of going in from, from year one into year two, that, that something about just the end of year one, looking back, seeing that they were competitive with some teams, uh, almost as if like kind of losing that bowl game to Purdue made them realize that they could, that they, they could kind of take things to another level, like that they, you know, hey, it, it's it was okay to be upset that they lost that game, and and so, I don't know something about that, the way that season ended, or just the whole season t- altogether. I don't know, but for whatever reason, they all kind of said to a man, everyone I've spoken with about it, that after year one, there was just a different approach. Uh, everything, everybody kind of started expecting to win instead of thinking they could win, and that's a pretty remarkable change to to have that be the case you know in in a year or 18 months that you get that kind of uh that kind of culture throughout the program that quickly so give josh heupel a ton of credit i thought uh and and i'm glad i kind of had this uh it allowed me to circle back to this thought one of joey halsley's best answers i thought uh today was about uh about what makes josh heupel's offense successful and he said it's you know it's not just the the concepts that he implements it's it's that he envisions the exact players that are going to be running specific routes and things like that. And that, I think that's Josh Heupel to a T. I think that's a, that's a really insightful answer there because I just think he has a more complete grasp of all the things that it takes to have a successful program. And so that's, he, he know he understands the place of culture. He understands what he's looking for. I think he understands sometimes that there are certain players who wouldn't fit what they're trying to do and that's okay. 
And so I think he, him taking the sort of complete view of things and, and maybe, maybe worrying more thing, more about some things than some coaches would and less about some things than other coaches would. I think he just kind of has a better overall grasp of what he is needed in this job. And it's allowed him to raise the bar and clearly change the, change the mindset throughout the program. Yeah. I think that, that it's the way Halsley answered that was really good when he said the secret sort of the secret sauce for, for Heupel has been knowing exactly who he is and knowing exactly what their offense is. Like they are who they are. They play the way they play and they don't like deviate maniacally from that. You know, like they don't, they don't go crazy uh, above and beyond what they are, but they also innovate for what they do and they focus on specific guys and how they fit together. And he said that that's sort of the secret sauce is sort of being true to who you are, but also innovating enough to where you're able, you're flexible enough to sort of find a role for different guys and find, okay, what's this guy do well? What's he not do well? And, and how do I fold this into sort of what we're doing? Because the way Tennessee plays, it's not like Tennessee's playing a different sport from everybody else, but the, what they're doing offensively, it's not something that a, a lot of people do, like especially at that pace. So you're you're focusing on different things, right? You're looking at different numbers on the stat sheet. You're looking at different metrics, different skills for players to have, and you got to fit what they do. And, and I think that's that's sort of been a secret to – a lot of what they've done is uh, Hypel growing uh, in his role and understanding and, and sort of just the confidence he has. It's kind of it's not like it's a uh, like, you know, walking out there big and bad strutting. It's just like, OK, here I am. I think I'm a good coach and I think this football team is really good. Like it, it, it's it's it, and it's a level of it's not hubris. It, it's just it's a lot of confidence for a team that still plays the schedule that they're going to have to play and has to battle with the team that's going crazy on college football right now. I think it's a really, really, really good thing to see, and it's a nice development for the Tennessee program. There's a lot more to discuss, though. we got to talk about what the players said, because I think, as Ryan, I think it was earlier in this segment, said a lot of the really interesting stuff came from the players. I think Pat said that, too, and Ben probably didn't, because you know Ben's over there just being an idiot. But generally speaking, I think we all agree on that. So let's take a quick break, reset, come back, and talk about those things here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on this Tuesday evening, a warm but uh, not too unpleasant Tuesday evening here in Godzo, Knoxville, Tennessee, Old North Knoxville, just a couple miles away from Haslam Field where Tennessee football will go to open preseason camp here in what, less than 12 hours from when we're recording this? Like it's on, guys. Like they're going to meet in the morning, they're going to get some stuff together, and they're going to be out there around just before 9 a.m., and they're going to be practicing, and football camp is on, and then, hey, it's just, what, 30-something days until the season opener against Virginia, so lots of stuff that we talked about to the to the coaches, to the players. We spoke with them on Tuesday. We're going to get to a lot of that good stuff. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, uh, please, please go in there if you can right now. Just take, a, just take a couple moments of your time. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That helps us out a lot. If you're just listening for free, that's fine. We love you. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume the podcast, but what helps us out the most is if you're not just listening on GoVols247.com, but if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, everywhere in the world, you can cast fine pods. You can find this very podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, and subscribe. Please, please go do all those things. Please, please do them. And if you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, right back into it here. The the players, uh, I guess we'll go in the same order. We'll start with Pat here as I move clockwise on this Zoom call. Um, when you're looking at or going over, and we all talk to different players, so this is where it could get fun because some of us talk to players that others couldn't get to. So there's probably all kinds of fun stuff we can come up with here. But with the guys you spoke with, I know you dealt a lot with the quarterbacks, a couple other guys. What what did you What really moved the meter for you in terms of things you heard from players on Tuesday? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to go straight into the uh, Joe Milton, Nico, little brother, big brother um, uh, relationship that Ben touched on earlier. <laughs> uh, a lot of personality in those two guys. Um, and I think a couple of my favorite things that were said is I asked Milton about like the first time he met Nico. Um, I guess it was on a visit uh, and Joe was like, I don't want to say annoyed, but he was like, oh, man, this guy's taller than me. Um, <laughs> don't see a lot of that. that's not – yeah, that's not – this is a taller quarterback to me. That's not something that Joe Milton probably sees a lot. Um, and in typical Joe Milton fashion, he was like, when I first met him, I didn't have shoes on. Uh, and when I put cleats <laughs> on, we were the same height. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, yeah. was the, that, that sounds Joe-like, yeah. Yeah, that was the, uh, the, uh, the, the conversation there, but – um and, and and he said that he's just like he's he's been really impressed with how his Nico is kind of willing to learn and is humble, uh, which is, again has sort of been touched on something earlier. I, there, I feel like there's this persona or this narrative out there about Nico that because of the pajama pants and he was the number two or you know one of the top players in the class. Well, there was and, also an an article written at one point talking about how things aren't going well for Nico and, and he's ahead. Well, yeah, and, there's and that, and that and the whole Which NIL not thing. True at all. There's the whole NIL thing, all this stuff, and it's just like he seems pretty normal um, talking to him and talking to other people about him. Um, another another Milton thing that he thought was 
um interesting is at one time nico said yes sir to joe and Ooh. joe was like uh don't do that uh-uh. <laughs> so um he was like cut that ish out pretty much right away um they uh obviously much was made about milton's living arrangements last season because he was living with hendon hooker he lives on his own now so th- these are storylines that you're probably going to hear during every tennessee game broadcast that milton is starting the season um, but basically Nico kind of almost lives at his house. Yeah. Um, Nico said he's been over there. I think he said a couple hundred times. I might have to go back and check the tape on that, but, uh, <laughs> the way that Milton made it sound like it was like pretty much every other day. And sometimes they're coming over, you know, sometimes they're over there playing, you know, going over football. So other times they're just over there playing video games. I think Milton said one, one night this summer, they were up playing video games till like 4am. Uh, you know, remember these guys are college kids. They are college that's, kids. That's yes. That, that's something that everybody always forgets. Um, you, particularly with guys i mean and nico he's you know just out of high school so um they, they play a boxing video game that that that's sort of their um their main one but yeah just just the um the, the relationship there is really interesting and, and there's an age difference there i mean milton's 23 i think i don't know sure when he turns 24 but you know nico's only what, 18 so um you wondered how they're personalities might be and and as uh i can't remember who was who it was maybe it was bennard west but it would be easy for milton to kind of get defensive yep. um and, and something he said he, he told he said he told nico like early on like you ask me any question football not football you can ask me about my journey i'm going to be open with it that's something that milton i think is uh part of his evolution is being more willing to talk about the things he's been through both on the field off the field um, that's something that, that in the past he's kind of wanted to keep private and, and maybe he's had to open up that way. And that's, I, I think that sort of translates to him um, beating himself up a lot of times over mistakes, which was a problem that Joey Halsey said he had. Yep. Um, you know, I remember Halsey a couple of years ago said that they had to get Hendon Hooker to like loosen up and like play football, like you play basketball, have a little bit more fun. I think with Joe, it was almost like don't dwell so much on when you mess up learn why he messed up and then move on. And, yeah, you and don't Milton have time in this offense to do that. You don't have time and to think. Yeah, that's something that Milton says. You don't really have time to think about if it doesn't go right. But um, just their relationship was really interesting, and 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 that's something I'll have more on um, on the site at some point. Um, but their their relationship is, is, is obviously very interesting because it's an interesting dynamic, right? I mean, Milton's a guy from Florida, um, and, and Nico's coming over from, from California, and um, you know, it's a different culture over here for him. So it, it, it's been, I, I think it's helped Nico's transition that he's had Milton around. And um, those two guys have obviously gotten really close within the first uh, several months that Nico's been here. And and as it was touched on earlier, I mean, this is a guy that, that when they got here, they they put him on the scout team for the Orange Bowl. And he's like, all right, cool. Um, didn't really say a word. And, and in his case, he was like, I wanted to give the defense a good look, but I also wanted to go out there and, and make some plays. <laughs> So it was a chance for him to chart, you know, kind of show what he could do. And um, I think that he's really sort of settled in. And, and again, a lot of the whatever the narrative is about out there about him, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't think there's much truth to it based on everything I've heard and talking to the guy and talking to the people about him. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's maybe that's why they're connected is that, you know, Milton has sort of had a, a humbling kind of journey that's gotten him to this point. Uh, and he's had to kind of grow up and learn some things and. And Nico's been under the spotlight and gotten all this attention for so long that uh, he's had to sort of learn at an early age how to carry himself. And uh, I think the interesting, you know, the relationship with those two guys is, is really interesting because it's probably a little bit different than the one that, that Hendon and Joe had, but uh, it still is one where the, the 
the dynamic sort of has to be the same because Nico's one snap away. He has to be ready, and and he knows he's going in as a backup, and he knows he might not play a lot, but you know he can't think that way. He has to think that you know first play of the season, Joe goes out there and turns his ankle, he's in the game. So, um, and, and that's something he said too is that he just wants to be to Joe what Joe was to Hendon, and uh, that's something that you know. Again, this is a guy that was ranked what he was, all his attention, everything like that, and to have that mindset. I think is really impressive for such a young guy. Yeah, uh, Cooper Mays told me kind of point blank. He said, "I, I think he goes. It didn't take me very long to learn that Nico was raised the right way." He's like, "I don't know." He he goes, "I know some of his family, not not a lot of them, obviously." But he said, everybody that I've ever met in his family, I, I kind of get what he's about as a person because he, he said that that it would. It might surprise some people, but it really doesn't surprise them that they, they know who Nico is, and they're they're he's just like you know kind of an everyman with them too. Like, and that's something that that really meant a lot uh, to the players because there's no question that the Iamaliava that could have upset the apple cart. You come in, talk of that much money, nil stuff, pajama pants, yada yada. People are like, who is this guy? Is he going to walk in like he's setting the world on fire? And uh, he has not done that. He has walked in like one of the guys, and that has meant a lot to them. Ryan, uh, you're next on the dial here. In terms of who you spoke with uh, during during Tuesday's stuff, what stood out to you? Yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of my time with uh, with really three different guys and, and, and tried to stay with each of them for a while. Uh, Tyler Barron was, uh, was, was one of them, and he was um, de- definitely interesting, and, and I thought he kind of echoed a lot of the things that uh, that Tim Banks uh, kind of said about him, which, which again was a, a pretty good answer. I thought. Uh, I think I think Tyler, you know, just he's talked about it before, but he he he's just had a kind of an injury marred career in a lot of ways. He hasn't necessarily missed a lot of time, uh, but when he's played, he's just not been 100% healthy for a lot of his career, at least not for long stretches. And so I think he he goes into his senior year, you know, feeling like it's. I mean, he's kind of in the same boat with Omari Thomas, Omari Thomas, and I, I talked with Omari about this as well. And he, uh, you know, he, he mentioned those guys. They're they're both seniors in their fourth year. I think they both feel like they're kind of playing for for an NFL opportunity for their for their NFL futures this year, and, and Barron in particular, um, because I think he just feels like you know people really haven't gotten to see what he can do in a lot of ways. So I, I think this really is, you know, Patrick, I think correctly. Uh, said this in, in one of our recent podcasts that if there is somebody on this team that's going to break out and have a 10 sack season or eight sacks or whatever, t- Tyler Barron's probably the, the the odds on choice to 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 have that kind of season. And, and it's partly because we just haven't seen him stay healthy much. So even though his tackle numbers and sack numbers haven't been overwhelming, it, it's it's largely because he hasn't been fully healthy for for a season yet. So he it's a big year for him. It, it sounds like he's you know had a pretty good off season so far. In, in pretty good shape, hasn't really added or dropped any weight, kind of stayed in about the 260 range trying to get himself ready. He does still expect to, to maybe slide inside on, on, so, on some third downs and, and, and play some three technique to allow Tennessee to get some, some, some more speed out there uh, in pass rushing situations. So I, and I think that's, that's good for him because I think he does have that sort of versatility and, and, and frankly, you know, I, I think in some ways might have an even brighter future as kind of that three technique than he does at defensive end, but he clearly has always thought of himself as, as a little more of a defensive end. But yeah, it's a, it's a big year for him. And you can tell he's, he, he's pretty excited and, and at least hopeful that this year will go uh, much, much differently from the past couple of years uh, in terms of his health. Uh, talked with Danico Slaughter. He, he, as you would imagine, sounds like a pretty confident guy these days at, at cornerback. And I think he does feel that he's, you know, kind of settled in there at that position and, and, no longer, you know, thinks of himself as a safety. I, I think he's fully bought into cornerback, and why not? It, it went pretty well for him last year, so uh, not surprised to 
to hear him that way, but I, you know, he, he's, he seems like he is settled in nicely at that position and really believes in himself and what he can do at that position. And he knows there's competition at the same time. You know, I think he fully believes he's going to be one of those guys. You know, he, he didn't say anything over the top, you know, confident, like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to start, but I think he, he just believes in himself after, after the, the type of off season he's had, but he also knows there are a few other veterans at that position that he's got to hold off in addition to some talented young guys. So that that's going to be an interesting group to watch, but yeah, uh, definitely interesting to hear hear him talk about you know just kind of how how comfortable he is at cornerback now and and the kind of confidence he has, and uh, and then another guy I spent a lot of time with was Squirrel White. Um, you know, he I know you talked to them also for a little while, Wes, and he uh, you know not surprised that that he I think feels really good about playing with Joe Milton. Uh, I think he feels like there's a little bit of a connection building there. You know, certainly I I can see why he would feel that way based on how the Orange Bowl went getting a chance to play with him. And he had what, 108 yards and a touchdown in that game. So uh, I, I think he's, he's certainly excited about the possibilities and, and, and the, those two guys being on the same page. I think he feels like he does what Joe Milton does. Well, you know, Joe Milton can throw it a mile squirrel white can outrun people down the field. So I think he feels that there's going to be a deep ball thrown for a 60 yard touchdown on the fly. He's probably the one that's got the best chance of maybe catching that one. So I think he feels that they're uh, they're a good match and uh, and that they're they're kind of on the same page these days and that that bodes well and, and it sounds like Squirrels had a pretty good offseason getting himself ready to to you know says he feels a little more comfortable on the underneath routes and things like that that than he maybe was a year ago and certainly feels more more comfortable in the offense than he did as a true freshman so uh, definitely in, enjoyed talking with those guys today and, and thought they had some uh, had some good insights about about this team and, and themselves in, in most cases where where they are going into the season. Ben, with the guys that you spoke with, what what stood out to you? I know that that we've all talked with a lot of different guys here. Who who did you spend a lot of the time with on Tuesday, and what what did you learn? Did you learn anything good? Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley is who I spent the most time chatting with. Although I I did spend a, a good chunk of time with with Jabari Small and uh, Amari Thomas uh, as well. Uh, Ryan talked about his, his interactions. Uh, with those guys, I heard Tyler Barron uh, be asked, you know, about the inconsistencies throughout his career and uh, the the times where he has considered entering the transfer portal, and he admitted to to being hard headed in, in the past, and and that's something that he's worked on this off season to to just kind of be present and in the moment. And he kind of talked about having a a realization. Uh, that as a, a young guy, he he was hard-headed and, and didn't really understand the the overall big picture. But now as he has gotten older, he, he realizes that he's where he needs to be. And whether or not that is lip service, uh, I, I don't know. I think we'll tell and, and be able to judge by his play on the field. I, I think he's a, certainly a guy uh, we, we've seen flash, but... I, I think there's there's more Tyler Barron out there on the football field than than what we've seen to this point. I I would not say that he has maximized his potential, and and I think if Tennessee is going to maximize its potential on the defensive side of the ball, that they, they need Tyler Barron to be locked in, focused, game to game, practice to practice, snap to snap, all all the cliches. They they need Tyler Barron to live up to his potential because uh, I do think Tyler Barron is an NFL player if he does live up to his potential for sure. Um, but I, I, again, I said it earlier, I kind of set out to, to learn more about the leadership on the defensive side of the ball today. Uh, and I think that starts with, with Aaron Beasley and, and Keenan Peely. I, I have not 
shied away from my thoughts that uh, with the departures of Jawan Mitchell and Jeremy Banks, I, I think those are additions by subtraction. Uh, I think the room just with those two guys out and Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley in, I, I think the leadership is is in a much better place. And, and I also think that there may be a, a little more production. I think Jeremy Banks was a little overrated in a sense. Uh, I, I think he well, you make admit, you make big highlight hits and stuff like that. You know? Correct, but in terms of snap to snap, I, I don't know that there is a, a great level of consistency there. I, I think Aaron Beasley uh, is much more of a consistent linebacker and somebody you would you would much rather want leading your room. And, and I did not set out with this answer to kill Jeremy Banks or, or Jawan Mitchell, but more so talking up Aaron Beasley. I, I was very, very uh, impressed uh, by the, the comments that he had. And, and just you, you heard Tim Banks talking his his answer when I asked him about Aaron Beasley, about the quiet confidence that, that Aaron has. And you go talk to Aaron and you immediately see the quiet confidence that, that he has. Seems like a, a real humble kid. Uh, he, he did have some some things pop up early in his career. Uh, that he needed to handle and take care of, but but aside from that, he he seems like a a good kid and and a good teammate and a guy that that's in position to to lead uh, this this defense. I I think he's probably the best defender uh, on the team, or, or at least I have the the most expectations for him. I, Might I be. really think yeah. I really think he's going to take that Clemson performance and and kind of run with it. Uh, and, and allow that to spark him into an even bigger season. Um, but I asked him if he's kind of always been a, a vocal guy, uh, and, and he admitted that he's not. Uh, he, he's kind of always been a, a quiet guy, but he understands that he needs to, to step up and, and be more of a vocal leader. He, he's more of a, a lead-by-example guy, uh, but he, he realizes that he just can't be a, a lead-by-example guy. He, he needs to to speak up and talk when it is time to, to speak up and, and talk because – uh, he understands that, that there's some youngsters in that room, Elijah Herring, uh, Arion Carter, uh, who I asked. I can't remember which player I asked about Arion Carter. It might have been – I think it was Tyler Barron and and, it, and maybe even Amari as well. They were like, yeah, you, you see why the coaches wanted him so badly. <laughs> like that, that kid is different. You see why the coaches wanted him. So there, there's a lot of young, talented linebackers in that room and – uh, they're, they're leaning on, on Keenan Peely and, and Aaron Beasley, and I was just very impressed by their command and, and their presence. Uh, quiet, soft-spoken guys, but a, a very, very quiet confidence. Uh, so I, I'm expecting big things out of Aaron Beasley. I, I think he's in good position to lead that linebacker room, both as a leader and just simply football production. Uh, and then Keenan Peely was very impressive as well. I, I believe he's 25 years old which is two years younger than me, and that baffles uh, my mind. Wes, we won't make you do the math on the age difference between you and Keenan Peely uh, because we'd be here all night. You could almost need a calculator for that. You could almost legally drive a car uh, in in just that age difference. Yeah. Wow, you're 50? Uh, No, 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 uh, 40 for now. Peely's 25 and married. Yeah. He's the oldest guy on the team. Yeah. Had had much more of his life together at 25 than than I think I did or most other people probably did. That's the least, least surprising comment anybody's made on this podcast. Um, but uh, it, it was just really cool uh, to, to hear Keenan kind of talk about. I mean, it, it's a completely different lifestyle than than what we're used to, obviously, uh, coming from his, his culture, his faith, and, and uh, his path uh, to, to where he is now. 
Uh, and it was funny to hear him talk about how everybody in the program, Heupel, assistant coaches, players, they all pick on him about his age, and, and he just kind of uh, takes it. And uh, he, he recognized that uh, he needed to kind of step in and, and be a leader, uh, e even for a guy that that is soft-spoken. So I, I thought that was a good thing that he recognizes that. Um, I, I thought the, the thing that he said that stood out the most to me when I was over there talking to him uh, was about his recruitment and – uh, the culture that he is stepping into, uh, he said that it has absolutely lived up to everything that he thought it was during the recruiting process as a transfer. And that was really, really important for him as an older guy going through that process because so many schools are about gimmicks, 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 and, and just trying to get guys on campus. And he said there was nothing gimmicky about Tennessee it seemed like they were real and genuine and tell, telling you how it was in the moment, uh, and, and that's lived out to to be true. So I, I tried to spend a lot of time with Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely because I, I think they need to be kind of the the foundation of that defense, both production-wise and both the, as leaders. Uh, and and I, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Again, they're not the most vocal <laughs> players on the planet, which uh, could lead to – some issues, I, I guess you could say, but I think they're going to be perfectly fine. I, I think they lead by example, guys, and, and those younger guys, they'll help bring them along and uh, they'll they'll get them the way they need to be. Yeah, I forget if it was I forget if it was Heupel or Banks who talked about Peely on Tuesday, saying that you know at first he was just kind of learning the the deal in the spring and kind of getting used to the system and everything. But really, over the summer, just kind of flipped a switch and blossomed into being like a dude who's flying all over the field now. And then they feel really good about him. I can't remember. Was it Hypel or was it Banks who said that? It may have been Hypel. I think it was Banks. The uh, the second oldest guy on the team, in case you were wondering. Who who is Jackson Ross? Ah, well, he. But who is that, that's Australian years. That's a different. They use the metric system. He's that's an Australian punter. That's a different ben, thing. And, and Australian punters are people too, Benjamin. That's not what I was asking when I said, and he is. I was referencing that he is a freshman. At twenty four years old, fresher, yeah. fresher, well, he played three. He played three years of Australian rules football. He's he's seen some things and some stuff. It's just funny. Is he a good freshman or a redshirt freshman? No, he redshirted. He yeah. got here. Well, I mean, he got here like middle of August last season, and and they redshirted. That's right. That's right. And then is he twenty three or twenty four? Uh, he's twenty four. There yeah. there might be a walk on. He might be twenty four. So a a twenty four year old redshirt freshman. And a 25-year-old graduate transfer. That that is absolutely hilarious, and and you can only get that in college athletics. Yeah, it, right. And this it, is this is an old years. team too. That, yeah, this is an old team with like 30-something seniors, and there's a lot of 23. There's a lot of like old, grown older people on this team. Yeah, in, in three years, Jackson Ross could have like a senior citizen day. Like that's what it's going to be. Like it's going to be a senior did, citizen day against Vandy or Kentucky or whoever it is. Did Vandy? And you you'd be like uh, on the A list. Been uh, Wes. Um, yeah, I'll take my walker out there to the. To wasn't the there? Was wasn't there a Miami punter who was Australian that was like thirty or something? It, he was old. Tattoos, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I told you he's some, like an NFL rookie now. Man, I, bet, I bet the NFL didn't make a big deal about his age like they did Hendon Hooker's. It's a different hemisphere. It's a metric system. I don't know. Maybe the math is different. But the the things that I thought were interesting, uh, I I think a lot of y'all probably saw this because it's been all over the news the past couple of days. Because anytime anything happens in the NFL, like somebody farts in a team meeting in the NFL, it's like news all over the world it's instantaneously. Um, it is sports. Um, but if Jalen Hyatt was recorded. 
uh, has been recorded multiple times uh, running 24 miles per hour in Giants camp, which would be, uh, I think, 0.8 miles per hour faster at least than the than Tyreek Hill, who to that point had been the fastest uh, recorded player in the NFL with with pads. And that is crazy to think of a football player in pads, whatever, running 24 miles per hour. But it's worth remembering that last season at Tennessee, he had already beaten that record because he he ran 23.4 or 23.5 at Tennessee. And Squirrel White, just a freshman last year, was like 0.1 to 0.2 miles per hour behind him. It was neck and neck. And Squirrel White, I asked him, and his eyes got real big <laughs> when I asked him, when I talked about Hyde's 24 miles per hour, and he was like, oh, I'm going to get there. I think I can get there now, I think. And now he is determined to get there in the in the fall in camp. He's like, I want to get 24 miles per hour. He's basically like, I want to win games. I want to catch a lot of passes. Those are the most important things, obviously, winning games. But I, I got to get to 24 miles per hour. Like, I can't, I can't let him just be the only guy there. Um, and he said, interestingly enough, the two guys on the team who are the closest to him so far in the mile per hour uh, speed GPS trackings are Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson. Those are the two guys on the team who are the closest to him, the running backs. And he basically said, there is no way I'm going to let a running back beat me. He's like, those dudes are freaks and they're bigger than me. I get it, but they ain't going to run faster than me too. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And also, Brew McCoy talking about just how dinged up he was last season. If you remember, he was in a no-contact jersey for a lot of the season, and he got hurt in that pit game. He said he got hurt downfield, just downfield blocking. And, you know, they were kind of, he kind of got tangled up with a, with a pit DB and they're pushing back and forth and his shoulder just kind of popped or went the wrong way, did something weird. And then he knew pretty quickly that something wasn't right. And he knew pretty quickly after that game that he was going to need surgery on it. There was no question, but he also said that there was never any doubt in his mind that he was going to keep playing. He was going to finish the season and then do the surgery after the season. Um, And he said that basically thanks to the adrenaline of games, he didn't feel it as much during games, but he said during practice a lot, he's like, we practice in the morning here. So you wake up in the morning and that shoulder doesn't feel right. You're having days where it's like, oh, I ain't feeling too good today, but uh, you get the adrenaline flowing and maybe even, he didn't say this, but maybe some, some vitamin T toward all or whatever it is he got, he played during the games and um, played, played pretty well. And he said he was going to keep playing as long as he had full range of motion in the shoulder. And Tennessee is glad he did play just because of that catch against Alabama that will go down in history. That was a big one. That was a the, big those, one. Those pit DBs, they were they were a feisty bunch. Now they got cooked quite a bit in that game. Um Yeah, they but, were, uh, they they ran man, they were they were like a team. There were a bunch of Kamal Haddens back there. Those guys were those guys were up for it. it they they were up they, means. they were up for it talking. Bub means you mean. That's his new Bub name. Um, means. I wanna know what Charles Campbell and Jackson Ross are at on the miles per hour list for the team. <laughs> I uh, uh, Jackson Ross, but again, I mean, it's a different age bracket. So it's like, you well, know, in golf, you reach a certain age, you got to play with like, you know, the seniors. Like maybe it's the same thing with the speed stuff. I don't d- know. Well, with Ross, he's probably got better speed than you think, Ben, because he lived in Australia for 23 years. And I don't know if you know this about Australia, but everything there can kill you. Every single thing so on the he's on probably the had to run for his life a couple times. And, you know, you build that speed up. That, that uh, that's a that's a good point. You find a snake. <laughs> you find a snake out there in the practice field, dude. There's one guy you're gonna want with you, and that's Jackson freaking Ross. I think he is a pretty good athlete. I, I I haven't seen him. I haven't timed him in a forty or anything, but I think he is a pretty good athlete for a punter, if I'm not mistaken. All those Aussie guys are good athletes because they've probably played yeah. like the the 
whatever their version of football is where they have to run around and be athletic. Yeah. Most of them either play Australian rules football or, or rugby. And they they have to run away from every single thing on the island. You know, you got the snakes, you got crocs, you got spiders the size of freaking basketballs. Like, yeah, everything there can can kill you. I thought Wes, that was... Did, did, Wes, did Bruce say anything about... Everybody's kind of talked about he's like in amazing shape and like all this stuff. Yeah, and he said the biggest thing about that was that last season he he kind of downplayed it at the time, but that he was really trying to adjust to Tennessee's style of offense and the pace. He didn't know what he was doing. He talked about that a little bit going into yeah, last season where it, he was like, this offense is like foreign based he, on or compared to what I have been doing. A lot of transfers have said that too. Yeah, and I think it was a combination of things because it, it, it kind of ties you up when you're when you're trying to think too much. And, and also you're you know he was out, not out there for the spring. And he said, when you're not there for the spring, you get to focus on other parts of your body when you're working out and stuff like that. And you also get time to really focus on the mental side of the game, like not learning what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you're not thinking and you're just playing. And he said the second that he really started to grasp the offense and exactly what they were doing and what his role was, that he started playing a lot faster because he wasn't thinking anymore. So he said, yes, he's in good shape and all that, but he said, he honestly said most of it was mental more than physical, but he feels healthy, which is good. And Halsey, Halsey said the same thing. It was like, this is a big, fast, strong guy that's now playing bigger, faster, stronger because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, going back to the speed thing, I'm not surprised that Dylan Sampson is hitting in the 23s. Uh, if Jalen Wright is still hitting 23s at 5'11", 210, that's that's some freak show stuff, like legitimately. Athletically, man, that dude's an absolute freak. If he just can stay healthy and hold on to the, the football – Man, that's a that's a that's a dude. Um, but a couple other things I wanted to hit on really quickly. Jabari Small spent a lot of time talking to him, and it's always always enjoyable to speak with Jabari Small. I think he's one of the sort of unsung sort of heroes, leaders in that team, and he is the touchdown vulture. There's no question about it. As Ben's rightly pointing out, he he's, uh, he's I, a proud I, Memphian I, as well. I make that I make that in the press box there when when he comes in there for in the goal line. But he, just the way that he discusses things and talks about his teammates and everybody else and just he's just always an impressive kid to talk to and you just tell he's one of those guys that when you talk to you understand exactly why people in the program feel the way they do about him and we all know that he's basically played through shoulder injuries his entire career at Tennessee and Cooper May said that that offensive linemen you know are are you know some of the toughest guys on the team, and that they 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 respect everybody, but they really respect the the guys they know will play through pain. And he said, he goes, he said without hesitation, he said, I'm not exaggerating. He goes, I think Jabari would put his actual life on the line for this football team. That's what I actually think about Jabari Small. He said he would actually go do that because that's what kind of dude he is. And if you're wondering, like, when some of the other guys who might be a little bit more talented, a little bit healthier, why why Jabari Small still gets the involvement that he does. It's because everybody completely trusts him in every way, and they feel and, and he knows his assignments. He can block, and he just there's a reason why he's out there a lot. Wes, does Jabari Small talk better about his teammates than some two four seven employees under the two four seven umbrella? Uh, probably, <laughs> I would say. Uh-oh. Um, I would, I would say that Benjamin. I believe I would say that. Um, he has respect. I mean, he's also, I mean, he's also, you know, got to kind of be careful what he says. Obviously, you know, he's a college athlete. Got to be careful what you say. Whereas if we're working with an idiot, we can just say this person's an idiot. And so we're a little bit more free to to do that. But I, I thought that was interesting. 
And uh, Tamari McDonald talked about pound for pound best hitters on the team. And he likes to think he's in that conversation. And if you watch, yeah, he'll, he'll pop you. But uh, the first name that he came up with, he, he said four or five. But when asked him about that, he said uh, Elijah Herring was the first name he mentioned as a guy who will really, really light you up if you're not careful. And um, so I, I think that was interesting to note uh, is that we know, we know some of the big hitters on the team. We've seen a lot of them play a lot of football. Um, but but it was no question. McDonald eventually, first thing he said, oh, he goes, Elijah, for sure. He goes, Elijah will basically knock the hell out of you. Nico said well, Herring was one of the two or three guys that picked him off in the spring. I think Beasley was one. Yeah. And then I want to say it might have been McDonald. But so we know those are happening over the middle of the field probably, where he's throwing he interceptions to the middle was, of the field. Yeah, I think he probably definitely Jackson said it was. Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, probably Jackson Ross. That'd be my guess. I can't wait till we get to talk to him late in camp, Ben. You're gonna write that story. When he talked, well, the only first time we talked to him, he talked about how Outback Steakhouse was not really. He goes, I don't know. It has nothing to do with Australia. Basically, <laughs> he was like, he's like, I don't know why. He goes, I think they just say like, um, here's an Australian restaurant. He goes, that's not what we eat. So they don't just don't, you know come out there eating blue and onions when they're running for their lives. Let's uh, let's pour one out for the Outback Bowl. It's no longer called the Outback Bowl. That's true. It'll probably be changed again in a year or two, though. And the very last thing um, that I heard from today that I thought was interesting, I did ask Cooper Mays uh, if y'all have seen this story um, <laughs> with with uh, Darnell Wright gets to Chicago and shows up for his workouts uh, in just unbelievable shape. For he he he, come, he arrives in camp. He's dropped like ten or fifteen pounds, and he's just absolutely scorching the the strength and speed off season tests. And they're wondering why. And it turns out that he accidentally did like the skill position player workouts instead of the offensive line workouts. And I asked Cooper Mays about that, and he just got this huge smile on his face. And he was like, "No, he goes. I haven't talked to Darnell yet. He goes. I absolutely am, and I'm I'm waiting for the perfect time. Maybe when I'm having a bad day, and I'm going to call him and I'm going to laugh at him about it." And uh, but then I asked Cooper Mays how he would do with the wide receiver or, or offensive uh, the skill position workout to Tennessee, and he said, uh, "Not great, but that ain't my job." So uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. And he also uh, said that it wouldn't be fair to have the mile per hour trackers on the linemen because tackles would always win because they're they're thinner and and better athletes in that way, faster guys. So that's basically. I'm sure we'll find out a few other interesting tidbits along the way. Um, but before we step out of here, guys, anything else? From today, we talked about the the overarching theme, the confidence, right? The you know, let's go get them, all that stuff. Anything else? Last last case, I'm going around the horn here. Anybody else got anything? If just if Jackson Ross isn't on the Ray guy watch list, we riot. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. I think this has turned into a Jackson. Uh, this is a we stand Jackson Ross podcast now. I think is what this is now. Except for Ben, who's just hateful and rude i haven't said a single hateful thing about jackson ross ben hates punters it's it's all it is i love punters swain event listeners know i'm all for the hashtag pu baby punter you hashtag pu let's go well you know it's also nice tennessee doesn't have to just hang its hat on being punter you right now it can also do other things so that that's a nice part about tennessee football being what it is uh so that part is is neat but uh we got a lot of stuff are you still awake over there yeah i don't know (laughs) I, I am. I, I'm just we can't you see guys, your face. Uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan video. hides. We're, Ryan hides during these. Things. We're gonna start doing video podcasts just so we know what the hell you're doing. No, yeah, we're, we. I think we do. We are gonna start doing video podcasts at some point. Yeah, have, um, you, have you seen Steve Buscemi and uh, and and Billy Madison? That's that's what Ryan's doing there. He's 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 got <laughs> he's writing with lipstick on the wall of names of people he wants to kill. I'm glad I called that guy. 
Yeah. I, I think, honestly, when we start doing the video podcast, I, I think Ryan should just leave his camera off. I prefer not looking at Callahan. Yeah. Or I'm we, just doing you guys a favor. Or we just I show, agree. like, like rap music videos and stuff, like when Ryan's talking. You're the best team player there is. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's, <laughs> we'll that's just blur it out. We'll just blur it out like it's obscenity. I think that sounds great. And you know what also sounds great is that Tennessee football camp is here. Summer, at least for us, fellas, officially done. Home and hose, done and dusted. We... Oh, yeah, it's true. We were in Omaha like six days ago, Ben. But summer's done. Tennessee football is here. Camp will be here, which means the podcast still coming hot and heavy. We're going to talk about the things we've seen, the things we've heard, and uh, get the ball rolling. Start talking about Tennessee's and, opponents. Well, I was going to say, and talking season is over. And most importantly, it's my favorite time of year because the expected win total for Tennessee will gradually rise from nine or nine and a half to ten or ten and a half over the next few weeks it's it's uh it's my favorite pastime watching that happen every august and then by ryan, the- go back to go back to hiding ryan yeah <laughs> basically yeah go back to sleep man go back to sleep it's all right you know what do you have like eight or nine kids now yeah go go deal with them i'm sure you got stuff going on there so we will we will be back uh very soon obviously practice starts here in less than what nine ten hours or whatever since we're recording this so yeah it will be there and um we will see jackson ross and let uh, him know exactly what ben has said about him and then we will go on about our business and see if we still have four members of this podcast going forward or if it's just three because ben has died well, I, I do need to go to bed before I say something that would get me in trouble with Kevin. So, good night, Wes. I will see you in the morning. <laughs> good night, fellas. Y'all be good. See y'all. Bye. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm saying bye. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every 
show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.